Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, just before we go to Craig Simpson, uh, come on, Bob. Being all super respectful of the refs has gotten us nowhere. Someone with a voice, again, you can text us on our Heartland Ford text line, someone with a voice needs to uh, get the penalty numbers and make a statement. So far, Talbot is the only guy willing to give you a bit of his millions for what's right. Are they going to give you a fine and ask you, what the heck is going on with the one-sided refs? We as fans would respect that. We want what's right, a fair game. That one comes to us from Grand Prairie. All right. Uh, yes, indeed. And we'll have, and this in part, my theory on this is I believe that Toronto, unless they're 100% sure, does not want to upstage an official. We'll talk to a, small, a far smarter guy than myself, uh, Craig Simpson, coming up momentarily. After I tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Go down and see Rebecca and the staff at Roos Chris and tell them orders now sent you. All right, here he is. Scored 50 back in 19... Uh, what year was that? Actually, he had more than 50. Did he have more than 50? You want to look it up? 87, 88? I forgot how many. Maybe I, th- I thought he had 50, 38, 88 off the top of my head. It is Craig Simpson <laughs> from NHL Hockey and Rogers. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Good. Did you have 50, 38, 88? Uh, no, 56, 34, 90. Oh, well, fire the host. I'm, I'm losing it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. I got another text from a fellow named Jason. Much appreciated. He had 56-2 for those scoring at home. All right. Uh, Craig, did you you buy my... I know sometimes you listen to the show before you come on, and I... It's, I wonder if Toronto loathes to correct their officials unless they're 1,000, not 100% sure. Do you think I'm on to something there? No, I I think it's less uh, an issue, though, when you're just talking about goal or no goal, uh, you know, crossing the line or not crossing the line. There's numerous times where it is so close. I think last night, you know, I've been traveling, so I only watched it on my computer. So I didn't have a 60-inch screen to to watch it on. But, you know, I I think it's more a case of uh, making the goaltender interference calls now where it's more judgment where the, the official has said, no, this is what I feel. And they're trying to make a concerted effort to let some more goals go in where there's just incidental contact. This is one, though, Bob, you know, to me, if the call on the ice had have been goal, I don't think it would have been overturned either. I'm with you. That's and, what I'm saying. Yeah, no, but there there are, you know, that's the reality of what the language in the overturn of a call is, is it has to be definitive. And I, I do agree when, you know, Hitch was saying that they said they had another angle that, you know, if if that was a national broadcast, I think we probably would have been able to get that from them and get it on to show it. Right. If there was that. And it's it's like in so many cases, 
if you go by the letter of the law, you know, can you be definitively sure that there is actual real white there on every angle and some not? Uh, you know, if Oilers fans would be feeling the exact opposite had it gone against them, right? Uh, you know, if it was a, a goal by your opponent and they called it a goal and overturned the no goal on the ice, everybody would be ranting and raving about that too. So. It's a hard winning, and there are times where it's just simply so close that they really can't make the definitive decision. So that is one, Bob, I would say if the call had been goal on the ice, it would have counted, and the call was no goal on the ice, and they didn't feel they had the definitive right to, to overturn it. Do you buy Brian Burke, as you know, is doing the show every Thursday on Oilers now for our friends at Canadian Power Pack. And he mm-hmm. said on one of his first appearances, let's face it, good teams get more calls. Uh, You went from Pittsburgh to Edmonton, and I've stated in the early 80s when the Oilers played like the Flyers or the Islanders, they did not receive the the beneficial calls, but by the late 80s, I believe the Oilers did. And so you came, you went from Pittsburgh, a bad team, to a good team in Edmonton. Did you feel you got more calls when you came to Edmonton? I think you got more calls because you had more respected players. Uh, you had guys who were stars, uh, but you also had a team that played at a real high execution level. And let's face it, bad teams make a lot of mistakes and have more of a tendency to you know, turn the puck over and then get a hook in. Uh, or, and it's a lot easier when your, your play isn't nearly as organized. You, you, know, you have breakdowns here and there. So... I'm not sure there's a you know a legitimate number that you can look at, but like anything, Bob, if you're a referee and you've got a one you know really well executed, well uh, played out game on one side, and a scrambly you know mistake filled on the other side, typically you're going to find lots more reasons to put your arm up for the for the bad team, and I think that's just inherent with what you do. And then you have individuals that. You know, I've always said I I think it's almost impossible for the officials not to have a little bit of personal, you know, uh, skin in the game. You know, I I know I used to get into so many arguments with some officials and yelling at them, and I didn't do myself any good, but it was just so frustrating not getting certain calls. But I'm sure there was plenty of times where I took an extra licking or an extra cross-check, and they said, you know what, I'm not calling that. You know, you deserve it. So I think that's inherent in the game, but I don't think there's any question, you know, top teams execute at such a better level that they're less apt to be taking the penalties than others are. Craig, there was one guy in the late 80s, early 90s, when he worked a game, I was like, oh, no. Denny Morrell. I got my only, only suspension of my career uh, in Vancouver, and it was Denny Morrell who uh, ended up. I think after the game, I think I got a charging uh, on going in on a four check one time, and they they called me back in after the game. I don't even know if I got a penalty uh, during the game. I certainly didn't get a minor, and I remember I had to go in a hearing with Denny Morrell, and <laughs> I was like. I had had numerous run-ins with him as well, and you know I, I couldn't even remember the play, and I, it was almost like you know, come on, Denny, this is one that should never get there. So I, I, you know, I definitely felt that personal 
at times uh, you'd have a certain referee that you knew you weren't going to get any calls uh, against me on, and so you just had to play through it and, and deal with it on an individual basis like that. Well, we got a guy now that reminds me a bit of morale, uh, though he doesn't call near the amount of penalties. Mark Jonette does not call a lot of penalties. But yep. for whatever reason, when the Oilers play, and again, I, I hate doing it, but I, you know, it just maybe it's because he doesn't call a lot of penalties, right? And you're sitting there watching. I mean, give me your take on Connor McDavid. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think we've talked about that you, before, and I think early on in his career, like all great players, early, you know, Mario didn't get calls early on in his career. Uh, Wayne didn't always get all the calls. You're almost like, yeah, I know you're so good. You're head and shoulders above. Guys are going to have to do more to try to stop you. And I do think at times with, with Connor, it, it's like, ah, you know, I could call a penalty every every shift, and is that really going to help the game? And I think that does creep into the mind of the, uh, of the official. It, it, they're only human, too. They want the game to be at a good level. You don't want to have uh, your arm up every single shift, but I think early in careers, it, it took quite a while before Gretz really you know, got the calls that he probably deserved. I know Mario was probably the most frustrated of any star, and one of the reasons why he was ready to pack it in at a point, and it took a while to, you know, because Mario was that big physical presence, guys were always draped over him. It's like, you know, how am I going to call penalty every single time he touches the puck? So I think there's something to that, Bob, for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, and it's a league that doesn't protect their stars. Like, no, in, not enough. Right? Yeah, like, you watch the NBA, and the stars can travel in the NBA. And if you hack them, they get free, <laughs> yeah. like, they, they get free throws. Yeah. And you watch the NHL, and here's, here's, a dif- here's the difference between Wayne and Connor. Because there is only one Wayne. And no one, you know, but Wayne would be the first to admit to it. He was a little bit more verbose with the officials, yep. right? Like, Connor d- wouldn't say if his mouth was full of it. And Wayne, he'd let you know about it once in a while, wouldn't he? Yeah, for sure. And here's, here is, we all want uh, a well-refereed game, and you all want, okay, if it's your son that's getting the hook or the stick in there or maybe a trip as he's going around, but the alternative, I, you know, I, again, would ask the fans if you said, okay, do you want a game? And you could have it where literally there's 10 penalties a period. In the, if you think of what you've been watching and where you're saying, oh, that could have been a call there, could have been a call there. The flip side to that is when we do see games like that that are called like that, everybody's up in arms because it doesn't make for a great game. And, you know, that's why it, it's the most difficult uh, sport i think to referee because it is so free-flowing and fast and you know sticks are involved and things like that that are so different than any other sport so it's a fine line and i think there's never going to be the perfect way and you know even sometimes when they let things go because you want to have a good free-flowing game at times they can go too far the other way and then you end up really influencing it more than you should by calling what's what's out there. Well, they call it at the start of the year and then by the middle of November they stop calling it. That's kind of how it works. Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. And by the way, the one year, Craig, they did make a lot of calls coming out of the lockout. You guys went to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I, again, it's. Uh, I even found in the finals it's a fine line because I'm doing a replay that early in the year, there'd be no question it's either a rough or an interference yeah. or, you know, something. And then 
you're showing it and you know everybody who's watching it and and add to that you know the passionate fans that it happened against their team and you're going well like that's been a penalty all year but here we are in the finals and it's not and so there again is that balance because as a player partly it was easier when you knew one referee and you knew his personality and he could let you know as the game was going on how this game was going to be called so you kind of knew where the 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 bottom line was what you could get away with or not you got two guys that are very two very different people that are looking at two very different things in the game i think that as a player is the frustrating one and the difficult one because you don't get that a feeling of okay i know denny morell is going to do it this way or shicky's going to have this night or andy van hellman you knew that you could almost get away with murder (laughs) and that's the way the game was going to go but now it's very difficult to get that feel within the game because the two guys might be completely opposites. We're joined by Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers now. Four games in with Ken Hitchcock. The Oilers are two one and one. Your thoughts? Well, the, the devastating one is the losing in Anaheim. I mean, you should really be. Uh, I mean, that was a difficult one, I'm sure, to swallow early on to have those two quick goals at the end. But you know, I, I think it's kind of ad, as advertised as we thought last week when we talked about it, Bob. That. You know, the changes are, are going to come at times a little slower maybe than he would like. But I think overall, the, the fundamental things that this team needed to change, they got to start going at. And so it might, last night wasn't a great hockey game. It wasn't a, you know, overall great thing, to, thing of beauty to watch. But you come out and, you know, how many other nights have the mistakes ended up in the back of the net or you're too loose and all of a sudden that game gets away from you early and you can't get back. So I think there'll be a little bit of uh, speed bumps along the way with how this team has to play. But guys now at least know what's expected of them. Uh, they know at least collectively how they have to play and, and the energy level that they have to have. And, you know, I think it's been a pretty good start. You couldn't ask for a whole lot more given the circumstance and given the, the short period of time that they've had from a practice standpoint to get much done. Craig, uh, you don't do a lot of Vancouver Canuck games. That's where Anders Nielsen is right now. But, you know, yeah. I think Koskinen, to me, appears to have given his team greater confidence than I recall Anders Nielsen given his team. Like, there's... Yeah, I, do, do I know I, Anders well. I've seen, I've seen him both in New York. I've seen him when he was here. I've seen him... You know, after it, one of his biggest problems, uh, and and he's not alone as a goaltender trying to become you know an everyday goaltender. It's like he's always been that guy who has filled in at times well, but when the opportunity's there to to be the guy and go, he's faltered. And it's happened everywhere he's played. And you know, he's that perfect. He'll tease you and give you seven or eight good games, but. Now when you get an injury and he's the only one, and he, he just, as a player, hasn't been able to show he's been able to do that. And, you know, I, I, I think Koskinen, you, you look at the fundamentals of his game, I like the fact that, you know, the big body helps in today's game quite a bit. But I think the game is slowing down for him a little bit. And that was probably the biggest, you know, problem early on coming from the big ice and the different angles and didn't look very comfortable in preseason, didn't look calm in the nets. And I see a goalie now a little bit more that has some confidence in himself, has some confidence now, which will really help 
with the way Hitch wants everybody to play, predictability is really important for a goaltender, that you know what's happening in front of you and you know what the read of the defenseman is going to be. And to me, at least, Bob, it looks like Koskinen is in that mode of the, the game slowing down for him in front of yeah. him, and he's reading uh, pretty well. Yeah. Um, you, you brought up uh, the Anaheim thing. When you played in Pittsburgh, and I know I've discussed this with Rob Brown, you guys can never beat the Flyers back then, could you? Oh, it was a tough one for sure. We we there's many. Uh, you, you always had a team that you you never go in and and uh, win a game. I know. I know for Edmonton, you know Anaheim's one, and what was the other? Minnesota was the one that for could never time. win in that build either. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Minnesota's case, they just bored you to death back then, right? But it was winning <laughs> hockey. All right, and some might say, I, I, I do expect the offense, like the, the owners aren't super deep, but, I, I, you know, they've had basically two scoreless games, the one against Anaheim, to, you know, and uh, for 50-plus yeah. minutes, and then last night. I don't expect this to be the norm. Do you? No, and I think it, it's, again, a process for the guys. You, you know, the the first game you're like okay what I don't know what to expect you got a different voice you got a different structure now you're in that mode of okay I got to learn and I got to start thinking differently of maybe what my reads are what my forecheck reads and that'll take a little bit of time to just become commonplace where you're not hesitant or you're you know you're doing it with confidence and as a group or as a line or as a defense partner. You, you now get to that comfort level. So I, I, I don't think it'll be the norm. We've talked before. Ken's not a guy who wants to take a 120-point guy and turn him into a 60-point guy. You know, he's going, no, but we have to be a better collective group to play defensively to win. I heard his comments about winning in the West and, you know, about managing energy and about grinding games out. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to stifle your top players offensively, but I think you will go through a few stretches where, as a group, you're just trying to bring it all together and start to do it instinctively instead of you know thinking about a read here and there. And you're going to have some nights where maybe the offense suffers. But the flip side of that, Bob, is you didn't give up five goals. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you didn't lose five nothing. And that's something that I, I think I've said so many times with this group you're you're not going to be an elite team and you're not going to be a, a playoff team every year until you can consistently just be a good two-way team and, and play well on your own end and that that's something that i know uh, ken is really focused and diligent on now craig you said you're traveling um it's a big night in toronto tonight are you doing a game no, I'm uh, I'm on a little fan. I got some sunshine, get wow. some vitamin D, <laughs> and I'm off. Uh, I'm off to Minnesota actually on Friday and doing the Leafs uh, mini there. But it seems like uh, Matthews is going to be back, and as you know, Friday is really the deadline on the Nylander thing. Too, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how that. Uh, oh, it's going to get. There's out. no way that doesn't get done, is there? Well, I, the only thing I would say is. It's only not going to get done if the player isn't willing to realize that he's made a mistake and he's going to have to take something that he's not going to be totally happy with. You know, that's the only way you can play that one out. It's too important for the Leafs in terms of their structure and their go forward. They still have his rights if, you know, if he doesn't. I, I just can't see a scenario that if the player is going to be stubborn and say, no, this is the only thing I'm going to do, he's going to sit here and he's going to have to go through it all over again. And it won't it won't be any better when you're now negotiating with Marner and with uh, Matthews going ahead after this one. 
Well, when you're rolling out a team uh, with, obviously, you know, Matthews and Marner, and then they've signed the last two years, Marlowe and Tavares, yeah, and and you got an Elander. I mean, if they get all these guys going, look out. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be, you know, that's they're it, good it, right now. Like they're they're a team that's learning to be, yeah, yeah, the offensive team that they are. But but they're a much better team structure wise and collectively. They can they can win some tight games. Yep. They can defend well. They're 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 a legitimate team now. Well, when teams have you know minimum four elite forwards that they can put together two number one lines, right? And that's uh, yeah. what makes them dangerous, and that's what frustrates some Oilers fans as well. Craig, great stuff. Thank you for your time. All right, Bob. Take care. Take care. That is uh, Craig Simpson getting some vitamin D, which for me, throughout most of the 1990s and 2000s, was Drambuie. Uh We will uh, take a, a quick timeout, uh, come back. Uh, this is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. 12.56, you can book with New West Travel. Oilers fans, join Oilers Now. Two great road trips coming up, Nashville and Vegas. See the Oilers play in two of the most exciting arenas in the National Hockey League. These Oilers Now packages include airfare, accommodations, great game tickets. they got a private suite for you in Vegas. All your transportation. We're going to have a welcome reception with special guests parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Limited space to get on these road trips to Vegas and Nashville for the Oilers Now Road Trips. Call the travel experts at 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. Coming up. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines at 105 for 10 minutes, read some texts, and then we've got Lerna Schultz-Nicholson to join us to talk about... Uh, Grit and Glory, celebrating the 40 years of uh, the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, today they'll have a signing over at Audrey's Books. This is Oilers Now. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.